Hi guys, this is my first podcast. I am going to be reading The Chocolate Touch by Patrick Skeen Catling. And let's get on to it. As the wrappings piled up around him, John became rather anxious. At last, he came to a small central ball of cotton batting. And there, right in the middle, was a little golden ball. He picked up the ball with his fingernail and peeled away the gold paper revealing a tiny piece of plain chocolate. It was the only piece of chocolate in the whole box. Deeply disappointed, John nevertheless put it into his mouth. He had never tasted chocolate quite like it. It was the most chocolatey chocolate chocolate he ever encountered. That was the preview. Now let's get on to the actual book. This says for Sheila, Ellen, Charlotte, and Desmond. Chapter 1. Most of the time, John Midas was a very nice boy. Every now and then, of course, he broke a rule, such as the rule against pretending to be a tiger when his sister Mary was supposed to be getting to sleep. Generally speaking, however, he behaved very well. He should have behaved better. He lived in a comfortable house surrounded by a green lawn and a wide-spreading shade trees that were suitable for climbing. His mother was gentle as well as practical. His father, when he didn't have to hurry to town, spent hours telling John interesting things about baseball, beetles, birds, nests, boats, and bridges and butterflies. John went to school and liked it. His teacher, Miss Primsel, was fairly easy to get along with. As long as he did careful work, he had received a new shiny golden trumpet and music lessons as a going-to-school present. Miss Quaver, the music teacher, had soon agreed to let him play smaller parts, a few notes at a time, with the school orchestra. Finally, there was Susan Buttercup, who was in his class. Susan had soft yellow curls, round pink cheeks, blue eyes, and one of the best collections of marbles in the neighborhood. John should have been completely well-behaved, but he wasn't. He had one bad fault. He was a pig about candy. Boiled candy, cotton candy, licorice, all sorts. Old-fashioned, toffee, candied, or orange and lemon slices, Cracker Jack, jelly beans, fudge and black currant lodges for ticklish throats, nougats, maroon glazes, acid drops, peppermint sticks, lollipops, marshmallows, and all, and above all, chocolates. He devoured them all. While other Boys and girls spent their money on model airplanes, magazines, skipping ropes, and pet lizards. John studied the candy counters. All his money went on candy, and all of his candy went to himself. He never shared it. John Midas was candy mad. At lunch one Saturday, Miss Midas noticed a couple of red spots at the end of his nose. Look, she said to Mr. Midas. John has spots. Mr. Midas leaned forward to look at them. He gravely shook his head and clicked his tongue. John tried to look, but it was his very difficult 
to see the end of your own nose without a mirror unless you happen to be an elephant with a long nose that you can bend double. When John tried to look at the end of his nose, first with one eye and then with the other, and then both together, all he could see was a pink blur. Besides, trying to look at something so close made his eyes ache. I can't see the spots, Mother, John said. Well, I can, Mr. Midas said. Just because you don't see them doesn't mean it isn't there. Try feeling the end of your nose with your fingers. John rubbed his fingers on the tip of his nose. It felt a bit, a bit rough. It may be measles, Miss Midas said anxiously. She placed her hand on John's forehead to feel whether he was warmer than usual. But I don't think he has a temperature, she decided. I suspect John has been eating too much candy again, Mr. Midas said. Have you been eating candy this morning, John? Some, John admitted. What? Mr. Midas asked. Well, John replied. Well, I had a few cream delights. Susan gave me them to me. Anything else? Mr. Midas asked. A little toffee crunch, John said. And what else? Mr. Midas asked, beginning to look cross. John's ears grew red. He wasn't sure he wanted to tell him. He wasn't supposed to eat candy before meals. Oh, only, er, oh, hardly anything else, he said. John, Mr. Midas said, and his son recognized the tone. It meant that John had to tell everything. It turned out John had been around to see most of his friends and managed to get candy from nearly all of them. The list he recited was long. No wonder you have spots, Mr. Midas commented at last. I think we better take John to see Dr. Cranium, he said to Miss Midas. Dr. Cranium was a tall, thin man. He had a bald head and a gray mustache. He looked through his glasses. Mm. He eats a lot of candy, Mr. Midas said. He hasn't been eating his meals properly, Miss Midas said. That's just what I thought, Dr. Cranium said. I can tell by looking at him that he eats too much candy. The doctor shone an, a little electric light into John's right ear. Then he shone it into John's left ear. Then he shone it into John's nose. He told John to open wide and say, ah. Then he shone the light into John's mouth. Much too candy. Gracious me, he seems to be full of candy. He told John to sit down and relax. Then he picked up a small rubber hammerhead and gave John a little light tap on the knee, just below the joint. John's foot gave a weak kick. John giggled. It's nothing to laugh about, Mr. Midas said. No, John, the doctor reproved him. A healthy little boy like you who didn't eat too much candy would kick harder than that. I'm sorry, John said politely, but I can kick harder if you want me to. He gave a 
sudden high kick which knocked the hammer out of Dr. Cranium's hand. It landed on its rubber head and bounced across the room. John! exclaimed Miss Midas. I'm so sorry, Dr. Cranium. John, tell the doctor you're sorry for kicking his hammer. I'm sorry for kicking your hammer, John said. I would recommend less candy, Dr. Cranium told Mr. and Mrs. Midas. An upset stomach can lead to all sorts of complications. On the way home, Miss Midas tried to explain to John what she thought the doctor meant by complications. You see, she said, if you put too much of one kind of food in your stomach and not enough of other kinds, it's bad for your whole body because different parts of your body need different kinds of food. Do you understand? I think so, said John. You've been eating so much sweet stuff, Mr. Midas added, that there isn't room for eggs and meat and milk and bread and spinach and apples and fish and bananas and all other things you're supposed to have to make you grow big and strong. I like bananas, John said, especially in thin slices covered with chocolate. They're called banana surprises. Mr. Midas looked at Miss Midas and... Miss Midas looked at Mr. Midas. They both shrugged their shoulders. Sometimes it was hard to make John understand things. At home, while Mrs. Midas was busy in the kitchen, Mr. Midas continued to reason with John. You mean, you mean you'd rather eat candy than anything else and chocolate rather than any other kind of candy? Mr. Midas asked. Yes! John assured him. Oh, yes! Don't you think there's such a thing as enough, Mr. Midas persisted. Don't you think that things are best in their places? I mean, don't you think there are times for spaghetti and times for roast beef and even time for pickled herrings and garlic toast as well as time for chocolate? Or would you rather have chocolate all the time? Chocolate all the time, John replied emphatically. Chocolates are the best. That's all. Other things are just food. But chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. I understand, Mr. Midas broke into very sharply. Very well. He took a deep breath and went on. John, he said, if you can't understand what sorts of diets is really best for you, then you can't at least get into your head that you make your mother very unhappy when you eat so much candy. Why can't you eat anything else? The conversation always seemed to get around to affect John's candy eating. John's mother, John, couldn't see how it could possibly do her any harm if he, he ate candy. He sat silent for a moment. Then he said, May I go out and play, please, Daddy? Chapter 2 It was a Sunday afternoon. The sun was sinking low in the sky but the air was still quite warm. John was wandering along in the direction of Susan's house, absent-mindedly looking down at the sidewalk when his eyes was suddenly caught by a dully gleaming silvery gray coin lying in his path. The coin was the size of a quarter, but he, even as he leaned forward, Eagerly to pick it up, John noticed there was something strange about it. It did not have the picture of George Washington or a picture of an eagle. On one side, there was a picture of a fat boy, and on the other sides were the letters J.M., which was funny, John thought, because 
Those letters happened to be his initial. Grasping the coin firmly, he ran t on towards Susan's house. She liked to collect things. He thought she might be interested to know that he had the beginning of a coin collection. Although he was in the habit of going over to Susan's house by the same route once or twice, almost every day, this afternoon John found himself running and turning left where he usually turned right. I always go the same way, he thought. This time for a change. I'm going to go a new way. He didn't stop to consider you cannot go east by going west unless you go all the way around the world. Only two blocks along the unfamiliar street, John came to a small corner store. It was a neat red brick building with two big show windows. They were full of all sorts of candy. Susan was immediately absolutely forgotten. John pressed his nose against one of the windows. He was imagining the taste of the chocolate-covered almonds and the chocolate fudge on the other side of glass when he noticed a man in a white apron standing behind the counter and beckoning him to come in. John was surprised. He had, hadn't expected the store to be open on a Sunday. Don't just stand there in the doorway, John, the man called heartedly. Come on in and get some fresh, sweet, creamy chocolate. There's a special sale today. How could the man know his name, John wondered. He couldn't remember ever having seen the store before. The storekeeper saw John hesitate. The chocolate I use in my kitchen comes directly from the heart of Africa, he said. I use none but the finest ingredients in my recipes. Well, I bet you never had chocolates like mine before. Come on in. Thank you, John replied as walking into the corner. But you see, the trouble is, well... No money? Storekeeper asked. No money whatsoever? What have you got there in your hand? John had forgotten the old coin in his hand. Oh, he said, this is part of my coin collection. I mean, he added more honestly. I'm going to save this coin, then get home to make some more of a collection. Let me have a look at it, the storekeeper said. He looked at the coin briefly. Aha, he exclaimed. Is it any good, John asked, his hope suddenly rising. Very good, said the storekeeper. In fact, it's the only kind of money I accept. But I don't suppose that you want to spend it on a box. A whole box? I imagine you'd rather keep this for your coin collection than spend it on chocolate, wouldn't you? Oh, no, John said. Chocolate any day. Go ahead, then. Help yourself, the storekeeper said, pointing to a heavenly laden table piled up high with large cellophane-wrapped candy boxes all exactly alike. You mean I can have one of these? John asked. His eyes round with surprise. The candy boxes were as big as the ones his father always brought home at Christmas time. Just help yourself, the storekeeper assured him. That is, unless you think it might be better to ask your mother first. She wouldn't mind, John said hastily and blushed. The storekeeper winked knowingly. I'm sure she won't. He agreed. Not in the long run anyways. John tucked one of the large boxes underneath his arm, declined the storekeeper's offer to wrap it as a gift. 
thanked him and hurried out of the store before there could be any question of changing his mind. The storekeeper smiled as he watched his customer hurrying down the street. John decided that it might be sensible to enter his house quietly by the way of the kitchen with the large candy box hidden behind him. He let himself in the back door and crept up the kitchen stairway. He tiptoed toward his room on the top floor just as he was about to round the corner on the second floor to continue his way upstairs. He had stopped for a moment while his father walked by coming along the hall from the bedroom telephone. That was Miss Buttercup on the phone, Mr. Midas called to Miss Midas as he walked downstairs. She said that she was sorry John hadn't been able to get over there to play with Susan this afternoon. But it was a good thing in a way, she thought, because Susan already so excited about her birthday party tomorrow. I wonder where John can have got to go. As soon as the second floor was quiet again and John knew there was no danger, the candy box would be seen. He hurried silently to his room, pushed open the door and slid the box under his bed, then walked heavily down the living room. Well, there you are, said Miss Midas. We couldn't have imagined where you had been, but have you been doing? Oh, just sort of playing around, John said. John usually took a long time to put his things away and undress and bathe and get ready for bed. He thought sleeping was a waste of time. This evening he stared, yawning, before his usual bedtime. Oh, um, 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 sleepy, John announced. All right, said Miss Midas, you'd better be getting to bed. Time for your tonic. John's tonic came in a bottle. It had been prescribed by Dr. Cranium. John had to drink a big spoonful every night to make up for all the vegetables and fruit that he left on his plate at lunch and dinner. The tonic tasted like soap, mud, glue, ink, and paint. It tasted horrible. Much to Mrs. Midas' surprise, John ran ahead of her to the dining room cupboard where the tonic and the tonic spoon were kept. By the time she got there, he had already filled the spoon, then without any coaxing he emptied it into his mouth ugh don sputtered Oof, bah. that's a very good boy miss midas said now why can't you be sensible and eat up your nice dinner that way if only you'd stop eating so much candy you'd be able to eat your meals properly and you wouldn't need to take the tonic soon john was scrubbed in his pajamas and ready to be tucked in for the night miss midas sat on the bed and stroked his forehead for a moment then she leaned forward and kissed John on the cheek. John pretended that he was very sleepy, shut his eyes, and began breathing deeply. When Miss Midas joined Mr. Midas in the living room, she said, I'd never known John to be good about getting to bed before. He went to sleep in no time. A few seconds after the bedroom door had closed behind his mother, John leaped to the floor, got down on his hands and knees, and fell under the bed for the candy box. He soon had it on the pillow and set to work, unfastening it. First, he took off the thin outer sheet of the xylophone. Then he lifted off the lid. Then he removed the sheet of cardboard. Then he pulled off the square of heavy tin foil. Then he took out the layer of shredded paper 
As the wrapping piled up around him, John became rather anxious. At last, he came onto a small, central ball of cotton padding, and right there in the middle was a little golden ball. He picked at the ball with his fingernails, peeled away the golden wrapper, revealing a tiny piece of plain chocolate. It was the only piece of chocolate in the box. Deeply disappointed, John nevertheless put it into his mouth. He had never tasted a chocolate quite like it. It was the most chocolatey chocolate he had ever encountered. The birds were chirping in the tree outside John's window, and the sky beyond was deep blue. The bedroom door opened a few inches. Hey, sleepyhead, Miss Midas called. Everyone else is up. John put his bathrobe and his slippers and ambled on to the bathroom. His sister Mary was still brushing her teeth, and he had to wait until she finished. Come on, Mary, he said a little crossly. Don't take all morning. Here you are. Mary said, handing him the toothpaste tube, while Mary soaped her face. John squeezed the little bit of toothpaste onto his brush. The paste was pink. John had made a face at his toothbrush. It didn't seem fair that he should have to brush his teeth with stuff that tasted like tonic. A stinky taste, he called it. John opened his mouth and pushed in the end of the toothbrush. As soon as it touched his front teeth, he noticed a delicious sweetness in his mouth. The taste of the best kind of chocolate. He pushed the brush to and fro, and the taste seemed to grow stronger. He removed the brush. The bristles were brown. What kind of toothpaste is this? John asked. Mary was drying her face. The same kind, she answered. It says it on the tube. Blanco Dent, John read. It was the same kind they always had. Why is it chocolate flavored this time? He asked. Boy, it's good. Silly, Mary said. Of course it isn't chocolate flavored. She hung up her towel and swished out of the bathroom. John squeezed some toothpaste onto his brush and continued to brush his teeth. Chocolate again. It was marvelous, rich, sweet, smooth chocolate, chocolatey chocolate, like the single piece of chocolate from the box the night before. There seemed to be no further need for the toothbrush, so John rinsed it, hung it up. He squeezed out a little bit of toothpaste onto a fingertip this time. He put it, his finger in the mouth and ate the toothpaste off. When he took his finger out again, it was stained chocolate brown. John wasted no more time. He put the end of the toothpaste tube in his mouth and emptied the paste onto his tongue. It squeezed out like thick, creamy chocolate. Mary looked into the bathroom. Hey, what are you doing? She demanded. Yummy, was all John said. John and Mary were a little late getting to dinner, getting to the dining room, and Mr. Midas had already on his way to the train, and they sat down at the breakfast table. John ate up all the toothpaste, Mary told their mother. Ooh, you sneak, John whispered. Well, you did, Mary reminded him, and that's a waste of and isn't it a waste, Mother, to eat up all the toothpaste in one day? Mr. M Midas already left. Miss Midas was serving the orange juice. Mary, really? I'm sure John was only joking. He must have been pretending to eat the toothpaste. No, he wasn't. I was watching him, and I saw him squeeze it right into his mouth. He said it was chocolate. Oh, dear, protested Miss Midas. Chocolate again. Now I know it was... A joke. He just wished it was chocolate, Mary. Come on now, drink up your juice, both of you. Your bacon and eggs will be ready in a minute. 
As Miss Midas left the room, John took his glass of orange juice and put it to his lips. As soon as he tilted it and the lid began to flow into his mouth, a happy look came into his eyes. Boy, that's good, he said at last, lowering his glass. Chocolate juice. Mary looked at him, and she looked at her big glass of orange juice. It was bright orange. She tasted it. It tasted like orange to her. It's not chocolate juice, she said. It's orange juice. Orange juice is good for you. Yes, John, Miss Mida said, hearing the last few words as she carried the tray of bacon and eggs. You must drink your... She caught sight of John's empty glass. John, you good boy. It's the first time in ages you've finished your orange juice without being told to. It tasted like chocolate, John explained. All right, very funny, but don't tease Mary too much, remember? Mary's younger than you are. John silently picked up his fork and sliced the yolk of his fried egg. The yellow broke over the white. As he shivered, he watched it as he always did. I can't eat this, he told your mo his mother. Of course you can. You drank your orange juice, try and eat your bacon and eggs. John scraped up a small piece of egg and put it in his mouth. It immediately became chocolate, chocolate, white and chocolate yolk. Lovely, lovely chocolate. Mmm, John mumbled, chocolate egg. In almost no time, he finished every scrap of the egg on his plate. He tried the bacon. The bacon turned into chocolate, too. John had never enjoyed his breakfast so much after the orange juice that they had turned into chocolate juice in his mouth the fried bacon and egg had turned into fried chocolate he ate two slices of chocolate toast with the chocolate butter and chocolate marmalade washed down with a glass of chocolate milk i'm very pleased with you this morning miss midas said she helped john on with his coat if you promise to eat your lunch at school as well as you ate uh, as well as you ate your breakfast, I'll give you dime to buy some chocolates with. Oh, all right, John said. I don't think I'll need it. Miss Midas looked puzzled as she waved goodbye. Chapter 4 John had the bad habit of chewing things when he was thinking hard. This morning, he had several things to think about. What had made the toothpaste taste like chocolate? What had made the orange juice taste like chocolate? What had made the bacon and eggs taste like chocolate? What had made the toast and buttered and marmalade taste like chocolate? Each one of these things had felt the way it had always felt before. The toothpaste had been soft and pasty. The bacon had been hot, crispy, and oily. The toast had been crunchy and the marmalade sticky and lumpy, but everything had tasted like chocolate. He had eaten in bed last night. John put a gloved thumb in his mouth and chewed. His mother had frequently pointed to him that chewing his gloves made little holes that could let in cold air, but he chewed them just the same when he started thinking hard. But this time he noticed something very queer about the thumb of his glove. Instead of tasting leathery, it tasted like chocolate. John pulled the thumb out of his mouth. The part of the glove he had been in his mouth was now brown instead of black like the rest. He bit into the end of the leather thumb again. It came right off in his mouth, leaving his own thumb bare. John chewed, and it tasted like chewing leather made of chocolate. Leather was melted into chocolate in a second or two. He swallowed it. The gloves were not new. John had them quite a while. He couldn't understand why he had never thought of eating them before. He tried to tear off 
one of the fingers, but the leather was too strong for him. He put it into his mouth, and it immediately turned into chocolate. Then he was able to take it off easily. He popped it into his mouth and chewed it up and swallowed it. It was delicious. Walking along, devouring his gloves, John did not notice one of his schoolfellows, Spider Wilson, until he heard the his voice. John's gone crazy! John's gone crazy! Spider yelled. He turned on John. Don't they feed you where you live? He sneered. Spider was a grade just above John and was one of the meanest and slyest boys in the school. John gulped a large piece of the second glove's palm and looked pleased. What's the matter? Spider demanded. Do people make you eat leather? This is special leather, John replied. He licked his lips and sighed contentedly. It turns into chocolate as soon as you put it into your mouth. Look. John bit off a piece of the glove and the little finger and took it out of his mouth. Now it's chocolate. He put it back into his mouth and gulped it down. Give me a piece, Spider said. Why should I? John wanted to know. They're my gloves. Hand over a piece, Spider said. Do I eat your gloves? John asked reasonably, his mouth full of chocolate. Why should you eat mine? Those aren't real gloves, Spider said. Whenever one person has candy, he has to share it with the others. The club That's the club's rule. What club? John asked. Never mind what club, Spider said. But you better let me have some of that chocolate. Without waiting any longer, Spider snatched what was left of the second glove. John was too surprised to resist, and he didn't want to... Anyhow, he had a feeling that he had enough chocolate for a while. He was getting a bit thirsty. Spider only chewed a little way ahead. He saw that John wasn't going to fight to get it. The glove back. He started to eat his prize. He stuffed the leather into his mouth and took a big bite. Spider stopped short in his tracks. He frowned in a bit deep into the leather. Again, disgust. It tasted worse than just leather. It tasted like leather which had... The boy had been mating mud pie snowballs and patted old dogs. John thought perhaps he might have been getting late for school, so he started running. He left Spider Wilson spitting the soggy remains of the gloves into the gutter. Still giggling to himself about the defeat of his enemy, John walked between the gates of the stone pillars at the entrance of the school grounds. He had gone no more than halfway into the building when he heard Susan Buttercup calling. She was standing near the jungle jam with some of her friends. I've got something to show you, John, she shouted. She came running up to meet him. She could see that she was waving something. It flashed of the rays of sun. It was a silver dollar. Dollar. It was her birthday present. She exclaimed, showing him the dollar. Isn't it beautiful? The sight of such wealth made John forget the triumphs of his own day. It's a good present, he said. Are you sure it's made of silver, though? Once I got a whole bag of gold coins for Christmas, and they were only chocolate coins covered with gold paper. Of course it's real silly, Susan said. My daddy said so. You can feel it if you don't believe me, she handed the coin to him. John looked at the coin suspiciously. All right, bite it. If you don't think it's real, go and bite it. John felt rather silly. I can see it's real now. You don't have to bite it. But I want you to, Susan insisted. You weren't sure. Well, make that. Well, make sure that's what they do on television. The cowboys just want to make the dollars real. He bites it. John put the dollar about halfway into his mouth. 
and reluctantly bit it. His teeth aren't right. Went right through half the coin. The part he had passed between his lips was hard, sweet, and chocolate. Susan couldn't hardly believe her eyes. She gave John. She had given John a complete circle of silver. He had sadly handed back a crescent. John didn't know what to say. Susan couldn't speak. Tears trickled down her cheeks like rain down a window pane. She looked at the piece of the dollar in her hand. She looked up at John, whose face was red with embarrassment. John Midas, Susan blurted at last. I hate you. She turned and ran away before John could think of anything to say. That's it, guys. I'm going to end it on chapter five. I'll read all more tomorrow. But see you guys later. Hope you guys enjoyed. I'm sorry for all the mistakes.